Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, Maximizers, welcome back. Of course, this is Maximize Your Influence, Kurt Mortensen here. As we take a deep dive into persuasion, motivation, self-persuasion, you name it, we're going to talk about it because you do persuade and influence for a living, and we should have learned these skills in school. This is podcast or episode 342, where we're going to talk about how do you sell a left-handed person? How do you persuade a left-handed person? Are they different? Is their brain different? What are the myths? What is reality? What do we need to know? Because this is around 10% of the population. And if you do it right, this will increase your sales, your influence by 10% by adapting to this type of person. If you're a left-handed person, welcome. Hope everyone's having a great week. Been doing a couple of things this week. I've been doing a lot of creation, been working on the next book. Been creating a course on the perfect persuasive presentation, which includes a step-by-step fill-in-the-blank software where you can create a perfect persuasion presentation and of course doing some consulting and the big thing when i consult and talk to other companies is they're just too close to it they tend to use too much logic because they've lost the emotion and that's a big thing so if you're having challenges at work or at home whatever your greatest influence challenge is get another set of ears and eyes whether it be me kurt at maximizeyourinfluence.com or somebody else but it's you are too close what you see is different than reality, what you think is different from reality, what your strengths and weaknesses are are different from reality. It's so important. Everybody needs a coach. You look at the greatest sports figure, they need a coach because what you think you're doing right or wrong is very different. Just put it out there just saying every great person, every wealthy person had a coach or a mentor. So let's dive into the persuasion blunder of the week. Go. Don't, don't, don't. All right, this one's at a water park. So it's summertime. Not everyone's distancing. They say they're supposed to these water parks, but you can see that they're not really distancing, but they're having a lot of fun. So I don't know the legalities of that or if this pandemic is going to increase or not. But here is the blunder. At this place, they hire teenagers to be lifeguards to control the crowds, obviously. And these slides are insured, obviously. They don't want anything bad to happen. If you're over 300 pounds... You can't go on the slides. And so this company puts scales by all the slides, and they're relying on these teenagers to kind of a ballpark and eyeball if someone's over 300 pounds because they can't go on the slides. It's against the insurance, number one. Number two, these slides aren't built for that type of weight. So I'm calling it fat shaming. Where you wait in this line, and you get up there, and someone asks you to get on a scale before you slide. I mean, that's embarrassing. That's shaming. That's a blow to the self-esteem. Nobody in the world would want to go through that. It's like those Disneyland rides or any of those park rides when you're young. Remember that where you have to see if you're tall enough? This is 10 times worse than that. And you're expecting a teenager to do it? Of course, they're getting beat up. Of course, nobody wants to do that. Of course, the teenagers don't even want to do it and sometimes pretend they don't see the person. But this is done all wrong. I get the insurance. I get the safety protocols. But you can't put a scale right before the side. This needs to be done in private as they enter the park, taken aside, and politely get them on a scale. Maybe give them a wristband or something that they can or cannot go. 
there are better ways to handle this. But of course, he didn't think that through. The person doesn't realize the value of self-esteem, doesn't realize what it means to be overweight or embarrassed of your body. Those type of things, they just aren't getting. So the person that probably did it, wasn't thinking it through, was going through logically, didn't understand human nature. That is the blunder of the week. Who would go back? And of course, people get upset. They're going to yell. They're going to get angry. They're going to badmouth the company. When you brew someone's self-esteem like that, they are going to lash out. They are going to hate you. In fact, the number one complaints against managers in the workplace are all self-esteem related. I talk about that in the law of esteem. It's one of the 12 laws of persuasion, maximum influence that you can get for free if you pick up a little shipping and handling. That's at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. In fact, that's the place you go to take your Persuasion IQ assessment, get the book, contact me, get additional information on our advanced programs, especially Influence University. So that is the blunder. Don't do that. Be very careful. Think about it. Think it through. But we get focused on logic. We don't think about the emotional side of human nature and persuasion and influence. Now it's time for the weekly scholarly article. Now we're in a political season. I'm very neutral with politics. It's a crazy world out there, especially when we talk about those politics. And this is titled, Candidates Who Use Humor May Find the Joke is on Them. So this comes from Ohio State University, Communications Research Reports, and Dr. Olivia Bullock. And they looked at humor, political candidates, and social media, specifically Twitter. And they found political candidates who use humor on social media that most of the time it backfires on them with their potential supporters. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to the show or gone through any of my trainings, there's a direct correlation between humor and your ability to persuade and influence. Now, that's assuming you have time. That's assuming you're doing a presentation. That's assuming you can develop the relationship and assuming you're not in politics. Because I think the default reaction for any politician... (laughs) is that you hate them, you don't trust them, you don't like them. Just saying, a lot of people are pretty tense about this right now, regardless of party or affiliation. You're in politics, your trust level's at an all-time low. We know that. So they asked people to view messages using humor for these political candidates. And we're going to gauge, is this appropriate or inappropriate? What they found, that they rated a political candidate who was using humor as less credible than one who didn't. And they were less likely to get the vote. You're like, what? Well, basically, people have expectations that politicians will show seriousness and competence, even on social media. And sometimes using humor, you're getting too formal too fast. So people looked at these posts from a fictitious candidate, and they had no prior knowledge of the candidate. They didn't know them. And they're assuming with this study that if they knew them and heard them before, that it would probably be different. These are strangers. And the candidate's name was Alex Smith. Now, let me add a little bit to that. Now, that name is a generic name. And we do know that on social media and other places that the more generic, more familiar the name, people tend to like that person. They're more familiar with them. And of course, that varies by culture. But that didn't necessarily take place here. Now, no political party was given for the candidate. Because you name a party, either side, they're automatically going to hate them or love them. I mean, that's just how we're polarized right now. That's how people think. People are crazy with politics. That if you're one party, everything's bad. If you're another party, everything's good, which is crazy. It's not even reality. In fact, they did a study with this last major election where they brought people into a room and said, hey, this is your political party. They're like, oh, they're awesome. We love them. like, oh, we brought you in the wrong room. It's the other party. They're like, oh, we can't like them now. And they'd find things that were wrong with it. 
They liked them at first, but then they don't just because based on their party, which is crazy. But we won't get into that. So the Twitter had different tweets on infrastructure, education, voting, and donations. And half the participants saw just a straightforward tweet. And the other half saw tweets that were using humor or puns to send the message. One of them was, we're sick of getting bad health care. It's time to heal our broken system. And the other one was, we're tired of getting bad health care. It's time to fix our broken system. You see the pun there, heal our broken system. The attempt of using that pun backfired on them. And a lot of people said they were not appropriate. They didn't like them. They didn't vote for them. They were deemed less credible than the participants that were straightforward. And the gender and age of the candidate did not affect how participants judged their sense of humor. So basically, bottom line is that people need to be mindful on social media, especially when you're first starting out and people don't know you, especially if you're a politician, automatic hate. Just saying, just put it out there. Let people get to know you a little bit, especially on social media. That's different. When you're face-to-face and you're meeting for a half hour, they get to know you. You can use humor. You could do that. Social media is so fast, so quick that you can't do that until you've developed that relationship. And that is our geeky, scholarly article of the week. Which brings us to some content for the day, some training. Time for listener email. Oh, boy! Of course, I use your email on the show. You get free access to Influence University. You get more information at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. This is Marcus from New Zealand. He says, Kurt, love the podcast. It made a huge difference in my life. Influencing my children, becoming a better leader, and it even got me a raise. I'm also loving the 111 sales hacks. Even though I'm not officially in sales, we all sell for a living, and I'm learning a new tool a day. It's been priceless. Thank you. Hey, Marcus, I appreciate that. In fact, listeners, you're interested in that, I'll put that in the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Marcus goes on to say, quick question. I work with another manager. We're about the same level in the organization. But everything he does is opposite of me. The way we think, the way we lead, the way we persuade, the way we work with teams. Now, I also notice he is left-handed. Could it be that being left-handed caused them to be opposite of me? I'm right-handed? Well, Marcus, let's dive into that. I had to do a little research here. It's not something I normally talk about, and I'm not here to offend anybody, but our brains are different a little bit. So if you're left-handed, reach out to me and let me know what you agree and disagree with. I'm going to do a lot of research, a lot of studies today on being left-handed. Some people are, some people aren't. No right or wrong, we're different. That's a good thing. So Marcus, I don't have enough information, but let me just kind of do give you some general guidelines here about people that are left-handed. How do you sell? How do you persuade someone that's left-handed? Now, this is not a trivial thing. Being left-handed, right-handed changes the game. And it's a useful way to which we can see how the brain develops. And scientists aren't exactly sure why some people are left-handed and some people are right. But they do know genes are involved, and they're responsible for being left-handed 25% of the time. In fact, they know that 25% of the children who have two left-handed parents will be left-handed. So probably a little nature, a little nurture there. So Dr. Cal, she's a professor of cognitive neuroscience at the University of Sheffield in the United Kingdom, looks at being left-handed and right-handed and how our brain works and how different abilities like language or visual processing are organized within the brain. She says if someone is left-handed, their brain organization is going to be different than someone who is right-handed. So Marcus, it could be true. A left-handed brain could think different than a right-handed brain. You see, the left part of our motor cortex is more developed in right-handers than the right part of their motor cortex. 
So in left-handers, the right part of the motor cortex is better developed, but that imbalance is much less strong than in right-handers. You see, the way our brain works, everything on our left-hand side of our body goes to the right part of our brain, and everything on the right side of our body goes to the left part of the brain. And one of the challenges is that left-handed people, they say are left out of most of the studies on purpose when they're doing neuroimaging research. Because they found that only 3.2% involved in the studies were left-handed. And you're thinking, okay, 3.2%. Let me give you the numbers. About 12% of men are left-handed and about 8% of women. So on average, about 10% of the world is left-handed. Some studies say 12%, but it's around 10 to 12%. We'll take the average and say 11%. And 1% of the world is ambidextrous, meaning they kind of use both hands. Now, as I took a deep dive in this research, there's some weird research out there, almost like a bias, some conflicting research. But let me share some of this conflicting, weird, biased research out there. It's almost like, oh, they're different. We're going to attack them. We're going to find something bad. But there's also some interesting good things, too. So my left-handers out there, I mean no offense. One study showed that left-handed children were more likely to experience accident, injury, and illness and behavioral problems compared to right-handers. One study found that left-handers do not live as long. Now, another study contradicts that. I mean, it was a nine-year difference between a right-hander and a left-hander. Now, they said in the study it was because the left-handers live in a right-handed world, and there might be some truth to that. Now, here's an interesting one, believe it or not, I don't know if I do, that left-handers are 11 times more likely to suffer from allergies. They're more likely to be alcoholics, but they do have higher intelligence levels, and they reach maturity faster, they're better at multitasking, and they recover from strokes faster. Crazy, right? But they did find they do have advantage in certain sports, especially one-on-one -on -one sports, like a southpaw in boxing, baseball. They found in tennis that 40% of the top tennis players were left-handers, probably because the right-handers aren't used to a lot of their techniques and the way they hit. Left-handers are more likely to pursue creative careers. And here's one you need to know that August 13th is International Left-Handed Day, if you needed to know. <laughs> So there's some weird stuff out there, and I don't know if you knew that the devil is left-handed. Okay, well, that's based on a medieval tradition, and there's a lot of 19th century bias against lefties. It's interesting, in 1860, a left-handed person was put in the league with the devil. That's why a lot of parents forced their kids, even though they're naturally left-handed, to go right-handed, because back then it's estimated that only 2% of the population was left-handed. And of course, you need to know that Julia Roberts, Justin Bieber, Bart Simpson, which we heard earlier, Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, and Paul McCartney were all left-handers. So what's interesting here is that different sides of our brains are responsible for different things. And so based on a hand we use, one side develops more than the other. Now, left brain functions, like I mentioned earlier, function the right part of your body. But your left brain, when your left brain, it's more about numbers and written skills, science, math, reasoning, language, logic, and analytical thought. But you've heard this before, when you're right-brained, and that controls the left part of your body, you're more aware of a music, holistic thought, intuition, imagination, creativity, art, those type of things. Found out something interesting, that right-handed people associated rightward spaces with positive motion and leftward spaces with negative motions. And so when everything was moving right, that was positive, but things moving left, that was negative. And this helped their theory that lefties were the opposite, that going left was more positive and going right was more negative. Now, since the majority of the world is right-handed, when I'm on a stage, I move to my left, which is the audience's right, for positive things, and I go the other way for negative things. A lot of speakers will agree that the 
left part of the stage is the audience is looking at that's the negative side of the stage. That's where all the negative things happen. You know, believe it or not, a lot of people swear by that. Another research study found that happiness and anger are correlated with the left side of the brain, while avoidance emotions like disgust and fear are on the right side. And they found that the opposite appears to be true for left-handed people. So remember, both sides of the brain specialize in different things. So just because they're left-handed doesn't mean they're completely opposite. Sometimes they just use their left hand, but their brain is programmed like a right-hander. Now, society doesn't help with this. Oh, two left feet, that's a negative thing. My right-hand person, that's a positive thing. So the world does think right-handed because most people are, but you have to adapt. If someone's left-handed, you should adapt to them. Maybe going left is more positive to them versus a right-handed person. Now, Dr. Resnick, who's also left-handed, talks about left-handers that they do see the world in a unique lens. When people are left-handed, usually the right brains are dominant. Now, again, right-handed people tend to be more left-brain dominant, and that's usually true for left-handed people, but sometimes left-handed people might have the same brain as a right-handed person. You just kind of have to figure it out as you talk to them. So since left-handed professionals are right-brain dominant, that means they're more likely to follow the creative flow of information or processing. While those that choose to work primarily with their right hand, they can be creative too, but they might struggle more with the gut reaction, getting inspiration, intuition, compared to a left-hander. That's why so many writers, musicians, and artists and other creators tend to be lefties. They tend to approach life and their work differently. Now, lefties tend to process information quicker because their brains tend to be connected a little bit more than a right-hander. They tend to be quick learners. They catch on fast after a few tries. Now, they might not be as detail-focused as a right-hander, but they can digest concepts relatively quickly. Lefties tend to be more interdependent. Maybe it's because they've been set apart from others. They're different. They've dealt with it. They're okay with it. Now, sometimes lefties prefer to execute deliverables on their own. Maybe instead of a team environment, just get it done on their own. And the studies do show, in fact, this is an Australian study, that left-handed people tend to have faster connections between the right and left hemispheres of their brain. We've talked about that. So they're better at multitasking. Not every left-handed brain, just generalizing here. Another interesting study from Stanford found that when you compare left-handed and right-handed people, that they tend to favor their dominant side. In fact, they showed left-handers and right-handers columns, two columns, a left and right-handed column, pictures of people, and they were asked to judge who seemed more happy, honest, intelligent, and attractive. Huh, what do you know? Left-handers tend to choose people on the left-hand side, and right-handers tend to choose people on the right-hand side. Remember I talked about earlier? Going left was more positive for left-handed people. Going right was more positive for right-handed people. So how do we apply this? So if you're working with a left-handed person, be aware. A lot of times you just don't even know. It's not even on your radar. Be on your radar which hand is their dominant hand. If you want them to choose something, put it in the left-hand column. If it's a right-handed person, put it in the right-handed column. Now, if you're in a group, you're going to have to cater to the right-handed people. That's the majority of your audience. It's just how it is. One-on-one, you want to cater to the left-handed person. So be more aware. Are they right-handed or left-handed? Be more aware that we talked about how they use their brain, how you can adapt and cater to them. Remember, the goal is to persuade them how they want to be persuaded. And follow their lead. As you walk in their office, this is true for anybody's office, they're going to have a busy side of their desk and a clean side of their desk. For most people. I mean, some people's offices are just so dirty, it doesn't matter. But you want to sit on the place that's opposite of the cluttered side. So if there's a cluttered side, has the phone and the computer and maybe some papers, and the other side doesn't have as much, sit on the uncluttered side because that's their dominant side 
and they'll feel more comfortable whether the side that has the computer or the phone or the other items. Just saying, be more aware. So Marcus, hopefully this answers your questions. I didn't get enough information to know if that's the issue, but be aware. Some lefties have still have a right-handed brain and you'll have to adapt to that. You kind of get a feel for that as you talk to them and work with them, but it could be an issue for you because left-handed and right-handed, the brain is different, but it's true for everybody. All our brains are different. We organize thoughts different. We have different personalities, different metaprograms. If you want to know more about metaprograms, go to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But the key factor here is mask the skill. Be more aware. Persuade people they want to be persuaded. Like, oh, it's too much information. I don't know. Can I adapt? Yeah, use it. Apply it. This is 10% of the population. If this increases your persuasive by 10%, this could be a powerful tool to you. So think about it. Ponder the application that I talked about today. Use it in your influence and you'll be able to persuade with power.